0: Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on a cloudy day here in the capital as once again we bring together a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. I am your host Scott Challoner, and I'm delighted to be joined first and foremost on the programme today by Rebecca Tonks. Rebecca is a director and partner at St. U Free Range Eggs, a family-run farm based in Truro, Cornwall, which produces packages and processes award-winning free range eggs. Um, Rebecca, very warm welcome to yourself and thank you ever so much for joining us today.
1: Oh no, thank you very much for having me.
0: It's a real pleasure having you joining us on the air today. Um, Reason we're here, of course, is to discuss leadership and really bring that into focus. But considering that today's business leaders are going through one of the greatest challenges of our time, I think it's fair to say in the shape of the COVID-19 pandemic, I feel it would be remiss of me not to ask you just to what extent this situation has affected you and your business over the last few months.
1: It it has, it has been uh, really uh, interesting and very challenging. Um, Obviously, eggs, um, free range eggs especially, have been in very high demand, um, uh, which is you may well think, well, that's great. Um, but we, we ha- our business, um, had to had, um, we, we had 50% of food service and 50% retail and uh, the food service obviously shut up shop literally overnight. Um, so we, we've, um, then suddenly had to find, uh, packaging for all, all, so every tray of eggs takes two and a half cartons. Um, so in effect, we've had to, to find a huge amount of packaging, uh, at very short notice. Um, so that side of, of um actually selling eggs was had plenty of eggs but getting them to the shelves has been another matter so um it yes it has it has been a challenge it's been a challenge for everybody that works with us um we i we've got a phenomenal team um, we've been very very lucky and um everybody has worked incredibly hard um and I think it's you know keeping morale high confidence high um and um Yeah, just just making sure we're being open and transparent with everybody to make sure that we we can um, continue to operate um, at at the increased level uh, and very long hours everybody's been putting in recently.
0: It's interesting that you talk about keeping that morale high and keeping everybody reassured and just focused because that responsibility is really really fallen upon the shoulders of uh, leaders um, of late and it can feel a very lonely place sometimes can't it when you're the one running a business everybody's looking to you for that direction that inspiration and it can be difficult at times when especially there's a lot of misinformation out there sometimes things aren't always clear and there's a great deal of uncertainty so when you are under pressure like that and you need a little bit of inspiration for yourself where is it that you tend to look to for that in a leadership role
1: um I, I think there is there is a um there has been a huge amount of information out there and and it's been tricky to pick through uh to, and and apply what what's actually going to work within your business because every business is slightly different and various methods of of um keeping people safe might work in one business but it doesn't in another and i guess it's applying a level of common sense to it all um but uh i i think um to to we've we work quite closely as a team um and um we we bounce ideas off off each other and and it it's really been a a, a multi approach i suppose a, a multi idea approach um and to you know risk assess situations and and put uh uh um put um health and safety into practice in, in the best possible way that works for our business and keeps people safe and, and makes them feel confident at the same
0: time. And are there any sort of positives that you can take from this experience of adapting to a new reality in the sense that maybe it's taught you something in your leadership capacity about crisis management, if we call it that?
1: Um well every day's school day so yes I, I i think um it 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 is uh, it it has brought out very um people different um character traits in in members of staff who you thought you knew quite well <laughs> um so it 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 has um, been interesting to, just to 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 see how much support people do need in the time of crisis and reassuring and confidence and enthusiasm you know to 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 keep everybody together and um and and driving forwards um so uh, yeah it, it has needed um a bit of extra uh to to uh, um, enthusiasm and um proactivity I suppose to get over the line to be able to work on it in in a a very different environment over the last few months. Mm.
0: And what it's also demanded from leaders over this period of time the COVID-19 situation is of course the need to be adaptable and flexible during this sensitive and difficult period Um, but at St I understand that you've been innovating in your own way by developing something called super exam is that right?
1: yes yeah the the um the, you know does, you know talking about members of staff and learning about uh, different character traits that they have actually the, the whole process of um the the covid-19 and, and um the general public's attitude towards um safety and and food and their own health um, has has uh, given us a massive opportunity to really uh, understand a bit more about what what is important to people and customers, and um, given us a great opportunity to um, to, to be able to um, offer something a little bit different, a little bit better, um, you, know, you know. And and we we came up with them um, we. Um, our brand we we actually had a brand called Boost the Roost which um was uh, an omega 3 and uh, rich in selenium egg um and vitamin D and all those other good things um and we we've rebranded we it to to be able to connect to today's consumer um and highlight all the points that are concerning people and their day-to-day health so which is where we we innovated um super eggs um and uh, yeah it it it's working and and um, and um, it's a brilliant way of keeping yourself eating eating well. so yeah.
0: It's certainly a time, isn't it, where we have become much more self-aware with regards to our physical health, but also our mental health as well, because the lockdown period has certainly thrust the importance of mental health and well-being from that point of view back into the limelight of the national discussion. Um, in a leadership sense, just how important do you view mental health, both in terms of safeguarding your own and also that of those around you?
1: Yeah, it it, it has been um, interesting. So w- w- once... Um... Beginning of lockdown, we, we, um, we, I, I sent everybody home from the office to, to work from home. We put, um, infrastructure in, which we didn't have before. So to, to, um, be able to link into a central system and, and for everybody to work from home. And we're having a 11 o'clock, uh, comms with, um, the, the team, our, all our, uh, management team. And, and it's interesting what we're missing is, is that just, um, that chat time so we 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 carved out 10 minutes of our of our comms to just for general chit chat talk tell us about the family you know what have the kids been doing how have they how you know and and just having that time to to gel as a team and and just it's really important and i think everybody needed needed that little bit of normality you know the, that bit of routine which um you know everybody loves a routine and, and, and working from home throws that completely out of, out of the window. <laughs> mm. And, um, and, and team members sending emails at 10 o'clock at night. And I was like, no, 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 <laughs> you have got to stop. Um, you know, I'm hugely, um, grateful for their enthusiasm, but they, you know, they've got to have work time and home time and and um and it's and it's muddied the waters working from home and um uh i i think some people have thrived and others have really struggled um from from a mental health point of view and and just from from that lack of routine so um yeah it is all important right across the board so um really really important to to keep on top of your team and 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 really work work with them um and and be Tricks with your
0: structure,, <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that is absolutely right. It really has sort of muddied the waters as to what the f- workplace of the future is going to look like, whether the nine to five Monday to Friday routine is going to persist into the future, or whether we'll see more and more people maybe working one or two days from home on a personal basis absolutely um thinking yeah. of uh, the future, Rebecca, just before we do wrap things up on the uh, the program today, um we are going to have to adjust to a new normal and new way of living and working over the next 12 months we know that but during that period of time what is next for you and for st new free range eggs and what is it that you're really hoping to achieve
1: um we we've got um we we seem to have been working harder than ever at the moment um and uh we we've um, actually grown out of our of our um our, our farming uh, packing centre at the moment. So we, we're the next twelve months for us is a fairly uh, busy one. So we're hoping to move to a, another site, um, and we've just submitted a major planning development. Um, uh, we're looking to grow the business and increase um, our job employee numbers, um, and, uh, and and hopefully the scope of who who we can uh, supply. Um, so we've got. We've got a very exciting time ahead for St New Free Range Eggs and um, we're yeah everybody's uh, very enthusiastic about it. And um, it, it, yeah, so lots going on.
0: Let's certainly hope there's going to be some positive news on that side of things over the, uh, the next few months. And just considering how enlightening it's been having you joining us on the programme uh, this morning, Rebecca, I think it would be wonderful to perhaps catch up in future and have you back on the air with us just to see how some of those plans are coming to fruition over the course of the next year.
1: Okay,
0: thank you very much thank you I'd certainly welcome that. It's been a real real pleasure having you join us on the uh, the program today. It's a shame we're just about out of time um, but most importantly, until hopefully we do touch base again in future, please do continue to take care and stay safe with all still going on.
1: Thank you very much indeed, and you.
0: I would also reiterate that message to all of those tuning in and listening today. Do continue to be sensible with the easing of lockdown restrictions and the car cells yourselves and others. It does make a real, real difference in saving lives. Um, on today's programme, I was speaking to Rebecca Tonks, director and partner at St. Hugh Free Range X. Coming up next on the programme today, I'll be handing over to Jonathan White for his exclusive interview with Liz Field, the chief executive of the Personal Investment Management and Financial Advice Association. That would be the trade body for firms who provide such services for individuals and families. I hope that you all enjoy listening, just as much as Jonathan relished the opportunity to speak with Liz. And all of that is, of course, coming up next.
2: I'm Jonathan White, and we're joined today by Liz Field, CEO of PIMFA, Personal Investment Management and Financial Advice Association. What a great mouthful. Liz, thank you very much for coming on today.
3: No, thank you for inviting me.
2: No, not a problem. A complete pleasure. And I think uh, it would be a, a great place to start, if we may. There's maybe a little bit of background uh, for the listeners. Obviously, Pimfer does work in uh, uh, across the board these days, but, of course, it was only founded uh, uh, three years ago, and, of course, um, um, ABFA and uh, the WMA were merged.
3: That's right, yes. Um, I think it really was a, a reflection of of where the industry was going in terms of uh, the provision of financial advice and helping individuals with their um, personal financial futures that – we felt that it was necessary for the two bodies to merge together um, but both well certainly the wealth management association and its predecessors have been around for night well, nearly 30 years yes. now actually but you're quite right um, as pimfa it's it's been nearly 3 years now
2: and the uh, probably a very wise move because uh the the uh, uh pimfa's been going from strength to strength uh since uh, what would you say at the moment uh is are are the priorities uh, for yourselves there
3: um i think there are a number of priorities i mean we represent a diverse group of um of businesses which all have one thing in common which is that they face the clients they they face the consumer um so whether that is face to face or whether that is um online uh, it's all about helping individuals to plan and save and invest um for themselves and for their families uh, but we're going through uh, a number of of key challenges i mean um looking at a a, a a macro level if you like um markets are a little turbulent um it's it's very challenging um to um Kind of navigate the the uh, investment management world, so uh, even more reason why you need a financial advisor and, uh, and an investment management firm to help you um, because it is quite a complex arena, and that 's not helped by the lack of financial education uh, more generally so um, if you have that as a backdrop uh, and then politically you have what's going on um, with post brexit uh, and where the rules are going to come from in future all of that is still to be negotiated um so it it's a whole melting pot of issues that uh, that our firms are trying to face
2: oh without a doubt i think uh maybe Liz, there's quite a few understatements there in terms of the challenges that are yes. occurring <laughs> at the moment but there's quite a lot to pick up uh, uh on the on those points because uh i i think it's 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 a, it's a unique time almost Liz, isn't it where there are a different set of challenges that advisors and individuals are uh, being confronted with from a lot of different angles. Um, and perhaps if we can start, let's start at the beginning, in fact, you bring up the issue of financial education. Yeah. Now, that's something I think uh, you can talk to anybody in the business and they'd agree with you on that front, Liz. We don't do it properly in this country. Where no. do you think, Liz, it should start from and how do we fix it?
3: Okay, so I think – I mean, the first thing to say is that there's a lot of fantastic effort that we see across the whole of the financial services sector, uh, our sector um, amongst that, where they they try and go into schools – um and provide financial education. You go onto any website um of some of our members and they've got some great educational material. Um, but there isn't a national framework that 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 wraps itself around the whole of the financial education efforts within our industry. And without that, um I think there there the, the businesses are facing a lot of, um, barriers when it comes to actually getting into schools. Um, I mean, financial education is part of the, um, per, I think it's personal health and social education, um, a piece of the curriculum, but there isn't an exam, um, that's at the end of it. So when it comes to schools and, and how they're being judged, it's on metrics such as, um exams and without an exam for financial education um i think uh it's go- it's just it's just going to keep coming up against the same barriers mm. um and financial education is not the same as maths so uh, what we'd also mm. quite like to see is is that we have more um kind of money type questions within the maths curriculum because that will also then bring it to life uh for young people for uh, youngsters and you know school kids it will bring it to life because it's about things that they have to deal with or you know that they they deal with on a day to day basis, which is money, so the more that we have that is populated in the curriculum that is about money, um, the better I think because then we'll start to promote a culture of, of savings and investments which we so badly need in our, in, 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 in our, yes. um, in our country
2: without a doubt' Liz, because and again you've hit the nail on the head because there's only so much that can be done without the involvement of the curriculum in schools. Yeah. Uh, and you know, you can, as you pointed out, very well. Uh, it, it, companies can try all they all they might, but it, it's difficult if it's not a, a joint effort. Uh, yeah. And I think, as um, uh, it, for example, uh, with with the new government, we have there have already been positive noises at the very least. Whether they become actions is another <laughs> thing entirely. Regarding what you could consider a for a, a, a far more applied mathematics. In a, in a lot of uh, the system, but t- time will tell. And that's something I think we could probably dedicate in the next hour to, Elizabeth. Yes, I think we, you're right. We, we <laughs> probably shouldn't. Um, now, looking at and a couple of the points to pick up that you've already raised here, Liz, uh, and it goes back to the word you've already said, which is uncertainty. Uh, it, it seemed as if the markets, investors, people, we've been in a state of limbo for the last three and a half years. Uh, we're talking of course 3 months after 2 months after uh, a general election that resulted in a a large majority for the conservative party and therefore at least we have now uh left the european union without without dragging you down the political rabbit hole here at uh, least is there a hope now that because of that clarity we may start to see a far more s- s- far more certainty in the market and what are your hopes for the next twelve months
3: um i think I think that that we've still got a little way to go because um whilst you know thirty first of january came and went um you know we're now we're now in a negotiation period we're now in a transition period mm-hmm. um and for for u k um savers and uh, and investors uh, in terms of where the rules are made there's still there's still not some clarity about that um you know we're we're still uh, well we don't know yet whether we're still tied um or will be tied to the um, European rulemaking, um, down the line. That's still to be negotiated. I mean, we've always said that actually for, for savers and investors, we need stability in the markets and we need access to funds. Um, however, it, you know, the, the majority of our, of our firms look after UK savers. Um, and therefore a, one of the positives we see is the ability to have a, a rule book that makes sense for UK savers and investors and UK firms. Um, so there's an. We think that there's an opportunity there, with definitely without um, watering down regulation. So we're definitely not talking about less regulation. Yes. What we're talking about is smarter mm. regulation, which makes sense for firms and makes sense for clients. Um, and as we've got a very unique. Industry in terms of savings and investments, um, um in Europe, in Europe, England or U- the UK rather, and and Ireland are unique amongst our European counterparties. So when you have a European rulebook or a rulebook that is set in Europe that doesn't bear any relation to the model. Of in- intermediation that we have here that has caused us problems in the past, and we're hoping that we we will be able to affect that in the future with a local regulator and a local rule and a local rule maker. But we will see. That is still all part of the of the melting pot. So, whilst I'd like to be posit- positive and, and optimistic about the market, <laughs> um, we've still got this period um, of uh, of negotiation, and uh, until we see where we go to with that. Uh, and of course, you've got financial services and fisheries amongst it, the same piece, you know. <laughs>
2: famous fellows, aren't they? Indeed,
3: I mean. absolutely, uh, absolutely. So we've still got to wait and see, I think.
2: It, absolutely. Um, and it will be an uh, interesting year, down, if nothing else. Um, <laughs> yes. uh, now, you've you, you mentioned there, at least uh, the role of, uh, of course, regulators. I know uh, in the last month or so, obviously, uh, PIMFA has. Uh, given its fair amount of critique to um, the FCA, um, are they at the moment doing their job correctly?
3: Um, I think part... I th- I don't envy the regulator one iota. Um, uh, I think if you look at the the number of people that they have in the supervisory team and the number of firms that they have to regulate, um, it it, uh, it is not an enviable job um, by any stretch of the imagination. Yes, we have been critical, not least of all because we are expecting um, better supervision to prevent firms from failing and certainly to prevent firms From failing in the spectacular way that they have uh, in the last few years, which has impacted on the size of the financial services compensation scheme levy. And this levy is paid for by by firms within the industry. And our firms are a majority of small to medium-sized firms, and their bills have gone up exponentially. Our criticism is that, you know, we we don't object to having an FSCS levy um, or you know the lifeboat yes. funds to pay, you know, recompense to to consumers. Uh, and, and our view is has always been that the polluter pays, but the polluters have, have long since folded by mm. the time mm. it comes to any payment, which means that good firms are paying for bad firms, so the system we believe is broken um and and I think that is about the regulatory perimeter um you know what is it that the that the lifeboat fund should be protecting the perimeter is too big, so that you know what is the nature of risk that all needs to be um uh, redefined, we believe and recalibrated, which then enables you to determine well if that's what risk is then how do we protect it and how do we levy for it mm-hmm. um and that is all linked to better supervision so that is something we have been critical about um we're in the process of finalizing a paper uh which we um which we have positioned in a constructive manner which is these are some of the things that we believe FCA, you should be looking at in your supervisory process, and we want to help you to do your job
2: better. Now, I I know there's no such thing as a a magic wand, is and perhaps it'll be putting you on the spot. <laughs> but if let's imagine, let's let's imagine you did have one just for the just for this afternoon, perhaps, and you were able to change one thing about that uh, system. And perhaps I shouldn't ask this because if your report isn't out yet, you might to want to reveal something that's in it. Um, but if you could. <laughs> Um, what would be your number one priority?
3: If we, if we were to, if I, were, my number one priority to to solve the system in
2: terms of reform.
3: In terms of reform, mm-hmm. what regulatory yeah, reform yes. you mean? Um, I think. Oh goodness me! The one thing. Um, it is a bit of a mean I, question. Uh, it <laughs> is. Gosh. Yes. Wow. Um, I, I think it's about the regulatory perim- perimeter. Sure. Um, I, I think let's have a look at the regulatory perimeter. Um, which is you know gives some certainty to to clients about what is protected and what is not protected which also then gives some surety both to them and also to the advisers who have to advise those clients on what what's the pathway to success for them and what and and I think if there's some clarity around all of that then everybody will be will be better off
2: now uh, b- I'm conscious of the time here, Liz. It's already catching up with us. So perhaps if we can take a, a, a little step back and uh, a, and look at um, uh, the operations of Pimfer again, it's what PINFRA do does so well is its ability to build relationships with so many uh, different uh, organisations. C- can that really, Liz, be underestimated? The importance of Having those working relationships with with the departments and the organisations that you do have.
3: No, I don't. I, I think it's absolutely fundamental um, to any business, actually. Mm. But it's certainly something that that we have in the middle of the stick of rock that is Pimfer. Uh, I mean, we talk about that. You know, the values that we have as an organisation. We we are a small organisation. Uh, And we can't do our job unless we work in partnership and collaboration with others. So relationship building um, and maintaining and creating a good foundation of relationships is absolutely fundamental to what we do.
2: Without a doubt. And I think that's the key point, isn't it, that that's so applicable to any realm, whether it's business or or politics or uh, any areas of life. And I think because of the time here, we we I, I must start to wrap up but um perhaps i can ask liz looking forward and i know the next twelve months is full of uncertainty what are uh, the plans Pimfer has for it nonetheless
3: um so i think our well our key priority this this next 12 months is 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 to be talking um much more um and we we. We have been lobbying uh, a fair bit on this, but because of Brexit, um, our ability to actually kind of get into um, see the policymakers on both sides, I think, to have that dialogue has been a challenge. Um, but we're finding that that is changing. That you know they they want to hear from us. So I think our priority is around that regulatory perimeter. Um, and what does, what does regulation look like for, uh, for us moving forward? But at the same time, it's not just about the future of regulation, but it's also about the future of supervision because the two of those go hand in hand. Um, so those, those two, um, are kind of what are, are the main the main areas over the course of this next year, having said that, um you know we have a manifesto that 's got six that 's got six pillars in it um and regulation and supervision, and the future of that is is just um, kind of is just one of those things there are a whole host of another of other things promoting the sector. As a as a force for good and as an integral part of a of an individual's kit bag um, for financial and mental well being uh, is is another key strand of, of activity. So I think future regulation, future supervision, and then promoting the sector as an integral part of uh, of um, everybody's kit bag in building their personal financial future.
2: Well, Liz, there might never be a, a more important year. Uh, it, it has not been in a while that will determine the future of all of those things and perhaps never a year where so many people pay attention to what happens to Britain's fish stocks. Um, but it's been <laughs> an absolute pleasure discussing that leadership with you today. Uh, I hope very much we can sit down perhaps later this year uh, when there's a bit more clarity perhaps and talk through a few more things. Thank you. I would love to do that. Thank you very much. Thank you.